Well, hey there, Eastlake. It's Kristen, and I'm here with Peter Gad. Hey, everybody. And this is going to be our Easter message, discussion, talk. Interview. Interview. <laughs> April posting. <laughs> yeah. And um, I feel like I need to just preface this all by saying Peter suggested that we come and, to quote Peter, Lay jazz, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm super musical, so it was a really great metaphor. <laughs> uh, me too. No, not at all. And this was very challenging for me because I am very used to like, I want things organized, I want things thought through, I want to plan. And we just decided to both come with some Easter bits or ideas um, to see how the other person kind of responds or what their thoughts are to it. So this might be a little different, or we could find out this is actually what we really do. Yeah. We kind of want to just record a discussion about spring and Easter and rather than like write it all out and to make it really, you know, here's exactly what I think we wanted to throw some ideas out at each other and see what our responses were in the moment, as opposed to our, we record it feels like often, Kristen, we're like, why don't we record that? That was a way better version of it than when we try to redo it down the road. Yeah. Like, let's try to have a genuine, let's try to look like actors on a stage where we're genuinely responding to each other. So rather than do that, we're just going to genuinely respond to each other. And I wore my springtime shirt. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of them that make it feel like I'm springy. Peter's and wearing a green shirt. Good job. Oh, yeah. For those of you listening, it's, it's I have like one springtime shirt. And so I'm wearing that. <laughs> and we're going to talk about talk about Easter talk about this holiday yes um and I should say that it's challenging for me too because I like to have my thoughts thought through um that's my personality it takes me a while sometimes to know what I think so we'll see maybe I maybe I will have opinions or thoughts on what you say maybe I won't <laughs> or maybe <laughs> in three hours I'll be like oh shoot this is I what I said that. <laughs> I should have said that yeah it's like a that's a common experience for me too um okay well why don't you start? Um, by throwing out one of your bits or ideas that you've been thinking about as we have prepared or each kind of tried to think yeah. through what are we what are we talking about when we think April, Easter, springtime? First question I had, it was really just kind of a question for you, is just how are you celebrating Easter? And mm -hmm. and obviously that's changed over the years. Like <laughs> I used to obviously spend my Easter morning. Um, at eight services is how that's, I mean, that's the, that's the part of my past within the last decade. I've got the eight church services on Sundays, um, Saturday services, Friday, good Friday services. Um, I know if you look around my house, there's lots of flower construction art happening right now. We're going to be doing some egg coloring. We had St. Patty's day a couple weeks back, which is like our Easter Eve. Cause it's like <laughs> rainbows and green and it's like the greatest, the leprechaun peas in the toilet. And oh. Bennett, my three-year-old refuses to drink the milk that the leprechaun peed in while the other kids laugh and they're like, okay, I'll drink the green milk. Ew. You say green milk is leprechaun peed in it? No, my kids say that to my <laughs> three-year-old and we're like, Oh, the leprechaun, you know, there's fairy dust in the milk or whatever. And the other Ew. kids are like, he peed in it. So anyways, <laughs> I wouldn't it. drink that either. Gross. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, he's pretty Bennett. literal right now. He did actually cry. He came up from preschool and he was like choking up like lip quivering because he was like, I don't want the leprechaun to pinch me on St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, oh, I was trying to teach him what a metaphor is and a and myth. And he's not quite there for three-year-olds. So all that preamble to ask you, yeah, what are you bringing to Easter Sunday or the Easter holiday? 
yeah. the family. It's interesting. You know, my kids don't really remember going to Sunday morning services. They do remember East. Like they remember the place where Amy Olson took care of them. And yeah. there was a table of donuts. And you know, <laughs> yeah. but besides that, they were too young. So Bouncy castles are a big thing. Yeah. In my family. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we will do the kind of American Christian thing, which is Easter egg hunts and yes. an Easter bunny and dinner with family. Um, so yeah. And I, I remember kind of growing up and having, um, having thoughts when I was like in my, Oh, there's a bald Eagle flying outside my window right now. That's amazing. I, like I, need to say that. Um, <laughs> I remember having like strong feelings when I was in my like evangelical zealous day of like, <clears throat> Easter eggs are so pagan and nothing to do mm. with Jesus. And, uh, you know, having thoughts, strong feelings about that um, and yeah. how we need to take back Easter for like what it really is about. <laughs> yeah. And I don't yeah. that way anymore. I feel like very excited to celebrate spring and new life and all the um, joy that that brings with my kids. I'm not teaching my five and seven year old about capital punishment. And not, not ever or not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We won't be talking about murder. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. So I just don't feel like that's an appropriate thing to talk about yet. Yeah. But maybe someday we'll have that talk. My kids do know that they talk about how Jesus did die. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not for the sake of atonement or anything like that. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you brought up with me the idea, I feel like last time we were just chatting about how like associated Easter is with like, like how early did you hear the story that Jesus died, right? I, I heard that, that is deep in, in the conscious, right? That is like birth, you hear that story, right? Yeah. Flannel graph for me in Sunday school. Yeah. And I remember a big part of like during my deconstruction window was like even I had a daughter, Tessa now 11 or 10, almost 11 and i was thinking like i have to tell this three-year-old that jesus needed to die for her because those were some of the sentences that we heard right i know i specifically heard like if, if it was just you man you were the only person on the planet <laughs> it was just like nails you hear this like yeah this nails right through yeah. the body because of you because of you know test because you told bennett the leprechaun peed in the milk that's <laughs> that's a lie know, whatever right or a lie oh. yeah exactly and so I think I, I appreciate you bringing up that like you're at least holding off on that as a, as the main headline for Easter. Um, yeah. Well, it, it does bring up another topic um, a lot of playing jazz. Brittany and I were just chatting because like the, if the headline for all of your reality is like, what's the Bible say? Mm -hmm. We just had this conversation with the family member. Of the Bible says, spare the rod for the child, so you should spank a child. Like, I don't care what mental health professionals say. Yeah. And my, my wife is hearing this, who is a mental health professional. And she's <laughs> like, like, how do I respond? Because we know that worldview. The worldview says the Bible is 
authoritative over science, right? Mm -hmm. You're in that space. Um, like if like you have to tell your yeah. children about that story because that's what the Bible says to do, as opposed to like what a mental health professional would say, like probably not appropriate to talk to your kindergartner yet, just like you wouldn't want your kindergarten teacher to bring up capital punishment in class. Yeah. We might not want to bring that up in our families either at this age, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think with everything, I, as I look through, like, as I sift through what's inside of me, of Christianity, um, I sift it through a, what is still true about that mm -hmm. to me. Um, and most of the truth never lies in well, whether this happened or not. Um, whether it's historical, I think what I look for is what is inherently true about what that's teaching us. Um, I still think there's a lot of value in that. I, um, Sasha is saying in her book that we've been talking about for creatures, for small creatures such as we, she wrote, um, so I read my book of Greek mythology as literature instead of history, even though it, to the Greeks, this was reality and history. Mm -hmm. And she says it's not so dissimilar to the way she looks at the Jewish texts that she grew up with. And I underline this. She said, she wrote, this is what our ancestors believed. There is wisdom, insight, and poetry in it, but it's not what we believe. Mm. Um, that's what she wrote. And I think I approach biblical stories kind of like that now. Um, not, I still think there's the possibility that a lot of that is there's historical truths and historical sure. realities in there, but that either way, what matters to me is the wisdom and insight that still is applicable to me now. What, what would you say are the, bits of wisdom or the pieces that are that you hold Easter. on to for Easter yeah <laughs> okay so <laughs> I'm not gonna answer for me I'm gonna answer what another thing that she wrote um all these spring legends are about suffering and heartbreak giving way to joy each contains a secret a hidden miracle offering hope when all seems lost this is spring itself. The themes of renewal, rebirth, resurrection, and rescue from death are not just religious ideals, um, but they're rituals inspired by the world that we live in still. Yeah. Um, I love that beautiful idea that spring reminds us that death isn't, I mean, it, it's an inevitable experience for everything, but it's mm -hmm. not the only experience and that there's the death can often lead to new life yeah. um whether it's a new chapter or yeah or something else but i i just like the idea that spring or easter is a reminder of resurrection um that's a beautiful idea even yeah. if it's symbolic well i think that's what my kids can grasp right mm -hmm. now so I will, we do watch for 
blossoms coming out of what looks like a dead tree. We kind of said, I said that with, yeah. our, with Selena, um, because these are foundations that can be metaphorical for them later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's what stands out to me about Easter is that what looks like it might be dead um, may not be. Yeah. Even she referenced in the book um, the idea of an Easter egg. And even in that quote you read, the idea that there's like a, a hidden miracle somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Everything looks lost, there's suffering, there's pain, but there might be something hidden that is the seed to new life, right? Essentially, that's my my interpretation of what she said. And I just love the idea of even like an Easter egg, right? Like finding an Easter egg is when it's something that you, we don't think there's anything there, but we find the egg, right? Uh, even Easter eggs in movies or whatever, right? Like there's this hidden thing, right? In like Pixar movies, there's always these hidden references, right? The idea they of, call them, the, yeah, they call them they call them Easter eggs, Easter right? Egg, like yeah. there might be a source of something that's, you know, you didn't know it was there. And she, she mentioned in the book that it's just fascinating that Easter eggs are, I mean, they're certainly something that Christianity has adopted. Mm -hmm. I've heard some people like reference it, like to be connected to the tomb and to, you know, Jesus came out of the tomb, which is like, symbolic of an egg. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it seems like it's very present in lots of cultures. So I don't think like Christianity started that tradition. It, it seems like that's been everywhere throughout the ages. Yeah. yeah. Well, she gives examples um, of um, cultures and religions throughout history that have stories of eggs. Yeah. And I don't think, I think, yeah, what you what she references and what you just said is that, I mean, it's not the whole world for millennia has recognized that life yeah. begins with an egg. <laughs> right. Even I mean, I, my brain was blown a little bit thinking about like even the concept of the Big Bang, which is the current leading theory <laughs> on how we've arrived at this crazy experience of conscious humans theorizing how did we get here. At all of life exploding from this one tiny little source is yeah. is an egg, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's <just fascinating. laughs> like the egg cracks, and here we are, and here we are years later. Um, mm. But she, the quote that I love from her book, the idea that life, maybe even all of life, emerges from an egg, seems to have made sense to people for eons. And I, I, I essentially see that uh, just a beautiful concept within the, the Easter story um, that life can emerge from death, and that we have to, you have to like sometimes look for it, and that it might be hidden. Hmm. So I think that's a beautiful idea. Another interesting idea from the book, and this isn't something that necessarily we need to dive into too much, but like there's so much fertility stuff um, all throughout <laughs> like traditions across everywhere. <laughs> like you, there's so many like religions and traditions. An idea of an egg is also a concept that's found obviously um, as a fertility thing. Um, so it's just fascinating that spring is also just so associated with that. Um, yeah. Do you have thoughts on fertility that you want to share with me? <laughs> <laughs> I usually have these conversations with you. No, I've chatted with Brittany a lot about fertility. I'm not sure we spend too much time on it, but it's certainly something that is a part of the springtime um, ritual. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I have a conversation scheduled for a couple of weeks to talk that's about right. fertility that we're going to record. Um, but yeah, I think, do I have thoughts on fertility? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just think there's, there's hope when you see new life. Yeah. 
and that it can be witnessed mm -hmm. and um interestingly it can even be planned yeah um or unplanned and <laughs> i i underline this thing that um about talking about easter bunnies <laughs> and it said the exact origins of this mythical mammal are unclear but rabbits known to be prolific procreators they're pretty good at it are an ancient symbol of fertility and new life yeah as my husband's plotting how to destroy the bunnies that are um, <laughs> he's okay. mr mcgregor he's okay, full peter McGregor. he's like <laughs> has his plan and my daughter is like ready to throw her body yeah. in front of said plan um to protect the bunnies that are infiltrating our our yard but do you yeah. think that's why bunny rabbits are associated with easter is because of fertility? I mean, that's one of the things that I read. That I, I don't know. I've never thought about that for some reason, but that makes a lot of sense. Maybe everybody else knows this who's listening. And they're like, yeah, you're an idiot, Peter. But <laughs> eggs have never, I'm like, bunnies don't lay eggs, but I've always, always been like, that's weird. I've never yeah. connected with that. But like a symbol of new life. Yeah. Totally. Um, they're both symbols of that. I think most Christians would probably be like, no, Jesus is yeah. the symbol of new life um yeah, it's a good symbol. yeah um but i think there is it's hard to make a jesus candy you know <laughs> <laughs> or jesus jesus egg that i could eat you know like a bunny is way easier to eat than like a jesus figurine <laughs> i have a picture of my daughter when she was like three and she had a easter chocolate easter bunny <laughs> i have this yeah. picture of her but she was like mom I'm going to scrape the eyes out first with my teeth. <laughs> and I, have a picture, I have a picture of her holding this chocolate bunny with the literal like teeth marks across the face. And I'm like, a little bit. That's amazing. A little savage. <laughs> it's interesting even thinking through just, you know, pregnancy, having babies. We have obviously for those listening, I have four children and all born in May and June. So pretty much springtimey babies. And right now I have siblings, my sisters are having babies. It's crazy. I, there's going to be four more babies born into our world in 2023. Mm -hmm. um, so one's already here and then twins are on the way and then another, oh my gosh, just so many babies. And if you think about just the, and this isn't everybody's experience. So in no, in no way to say this is like, I understand that like, not always is, is our babies um, symbolic of so much hope and so much newness, but often they are, right? Often um, just being around a baby makes you feel energized and hopeful for what's ahead, especially when you're not taking care of them. I feel like the more I'm around my nephews, they're like, oh my gosh, you have so much <laughs> potential, right? Latent potential. Like what's your life going to turn out to be? Mm -hmm. um, and I think when you're parenting, you're like, oh my God, I just hope this baby sleeps and I hope this baby eats. and we kind of are like buckled down but i feel like in my current family experience i'm reminded of how i think the whole like having babies during this season and experiencing new life during the season is just symbolic of being hopeful and choosing to like believe in potential as opposed to you know it feels like in this current climate it's very easy to see that there's problems right mm -hmm. and to have the potential that or have the perspective that 
the future will be worse, mm. right? And that even having babies is risky because of name the problem, climate change and all the other things that are going on. Um, it's encouraging to be around parents because at some level, when you choose to have a child, you are choosing to be optimistic about the future and hopeful mm. um, most more often than not, right? Um, so I, I guess I get kind of inspired by that. But I do think you can kind of look for what you, you you'll find what you look for, right? So um, if you want to look for all the problems with with everything that's going on, you will certainly find them. And if you want to look for other things like human lifespan or um, the remove like clean water for people and fewer people in poverty than ever, there's also some things to look for too that are hopeful and reason for optimism. So, anyways, babies reminded me of that. Yeah, I think it's also. Um, a reminder to me of just the cycle of life that we're all in, mm -hmm. that there's newness and hope and optimism. And then there's also a circle of death, of yeah. dying and um, sadness and disbelief at what you're seeing. Um, I think um, that's one of the great cycles and one of the great things that the Easter story pictures like so clearly of this, um, how in a matter of four days, mm -hmm. it can be high, it can be really low and it can be high again. It's yeah. um, celebrity and it's trial and death and complete despair. And then mm -hmm. um, wonder and disbelief and life again and how it's just a cycle that um, Jesus apparently went through and that we all do and that life does and our world yeah. does. And um, it's very symbolic, um, whether you believe that really happened or not, it is symbolic of the life that we lead. Hey Eastlake, Peter here. Thanks so much for tuning in to watch this message. I wanted to do just a quick interruption to say thank you to so many of you who are making regular contributions to Eastlake. Eastlake is a nonprofit and everything that we do is because of a community of consistent and generous people who really believe in this place and want to see it continue. So uh, if you're a part of that community, thank you for how you make this place go. If you are tuning in regularly and are a part of this community, but you haven't yet um, jumped in to making a financial contribution, we would encourage you to do that and encourage you to go to eastlakecc.com to help support Eastlake as a community and continue to make these messages possible. Thanks so much for uh, letting me interrupt your message. Let's jump back in. Reminds me of a quote, somebody was talking about all the stuff that's going on when it comes to just like challenge in the world or collapses or companies going under, you name the problem. And his quote was, nothing's ever as good or as bad as it seems. Mm. If you think about like Jesus's celebrity status, right? We know the story. Um, it wasn't as good, right? It was it's actually <laughs> part of the problem. And then his death, right? It's never as bad as it seems either. There's, there's seeds for the next chapter after that. Mm. Um, so I think in some ways, I don't want to be in a good season and be like, oh, you know, like when's the shoe going to drop? It's always going to be bad. But I, I found it encouraging to know that when we're going through seasons of hardship, um, to just not lose hope. Yeah. Um, I had something I wanted to ask yeah. you about. Um, so I read 
a couple of things that this author wrote about Paul and Easter and resurrection. His name's Jay Perini and he's just an American writer. Um, and he wrote, I want to read this to you and then see what you think. Yeah. Okay. He says, it's so easy to misread Paul, especially the translations of the Greek into English are so overdetermined. Faith meant many things to Paul. He certainly understood it as resting in God, as trust in God's universe, where a kind of cosmic spirit undergirds and informs the world. And then this is the quote that I wanted to ask you about. He believed in belief itself, which is giving oneself in love to an idea. Belief is, in fact, a version of Middle English word meaning to hold dearly. And Paul held dearly the transformations of the spirit that Jesus modeled. Hmm. So I guess I wanted to ask your thoughts on the idea of belief, meaning to hold dearly. Mm -hmm. And maybe what do you believe in or hold dearly? What do I believe? Wow. <laughs> I love that version of belief. It is such a... It just feels so much different than I think how like the current version of belief, maybe that's part of my worldview. It, it tends to have a little bit of a negativity bias um, on the word belief because believing in things that aren't, according to me, I don't think are true creates all sorts of pain and challenge. And so it doesn't feel like holding dearly, right? It, <laughs> it's like that tone feels so gentle and loving. Mm -hmm. Um Right. So if people are gentle and gently and lovingly holding on to something like a baby bird or a baby, mm -hmm. an actual human baby, that feels so much different than what I associate with belief, which is like arguing about politics on Facebook, you know? Yeah. Um, so the first thought I have is that's a beautiful interpretation of it. And if may we all hold our beliefs that way, I think, um, whether you're religious or not, because I think like the first thing I was thinking is like kind of fundamentalism, the idea of holding so tightly without the ability to listen or seek to understand, I think is a, a primary problem with our current climate on planet earth. It feels like is I know I'm right. If you don't think like me, you're an idiot. If that's the foundation <laughs> for, or I'm confident I'm right. Even if I know mm -hmm. I'm not, no, but I'm very confident. And if you don't think like me, you're probably an idiot. I think it's kind of at the root of a lot of our problems. So I just love that. <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm trying not to live that way. Yeah. Um, but believe uh, in terms of like, are you asking what I believe about the Jesus narrative? Or are you asking what I believe in general? Um, I think I'm asking for today. Mm -hmm. What about the Jesus narrative and Easter? Do you still believe in and hold dearly? And I agree with you. Like, I'm not thinking hold dearly, like for dear life. Kind yeah. Of, I'm thinking hold dearly, like um, just value. Yeah. And like hold close to your heart still. Yeah. About the Easter story. The, the biggest thing that stands out with that framing of the question is a question that I uh, have asked for the last, I was going through some notes, even looking back to like, old easter talks or old springtime talks right jesus talks and um 
I think I've had this perspective for a couple of years now. I, one of the notes was like 2018 and it was, so that's almost five years. Um, and it's the question, what is undeniable about Jesus? And what that means is like, what would every person have to say at minimum Jesus was? Like, it seems as if everybody has to admit Jesus existed, regardless <laughs> of whether you would say he's God or a Jewish reformer. Like a Jewish reformer is at minimum what he was too, right? If he existed, it seems as if he was a Jewish reformer. So even just asking that question, I feel like makes it a little bit more neutral and hopefully a little bit less charged because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to convince anybody or even myself of anything. Like what is just seems like, just like we'd say Alexander the Great seemed like he existed and he was, seemed like he was working for, I think, Rome, it's my hunch. Um, like, what's true of, of Jesus? And I think for the Easter story, what I keep coming back to is that story. What's undeniable is that, like, the point of that story seems to be that love is really, really tough to kill. <laughs> like, if you're, if you've set out as your main goal to murder love, like, you're actually probably making it worse. Um, by trying to attack it because it feels like mm-hmm. that's the way like the way to make love go viral is to attack it um mm-hmm. which is just such a really like if that's the Jesus story that's a really cool version of the story to me um because like who, who can get into the like why spend energy getting into the like, logistics of something that was unprovable like, nobody can prove that he actually rose from the dead or didn't or like even if I say I don't I think I didn't I don't think it happened like but I can't prove that, right? Like, yeah. so why spend energy on something that um, isn't undeniable? But that's the point of that story. If I were like reading that, like I read Catcher of the Rye mm-hmm. or Of Mice and Men, like if I had to write an, a ninth grade, <laughs> you know, uh, paper on this, like it seems like that's a theme of the paper um, that you can't murder love, that it, it's, ex- it's exponential, it expands. If you attack it, it gets bigger. Um, try to squash it 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 more people jump on board it's there's something beautiful about that and that's even the harry potter story my, my daughter loves harry potter read harry potter and that's that's true of, of that story too it's i think it's a timeless story and i think it resonates with us i'm not sure that's provable like, like if you try to murder love that like it'll always come back stronger i'm not sure if that's true definitively but it certainly seems like a beautiful way to live like that's an inspiring way for me to live right that my love if I live my life in a self-sacrificial way that it will transcend my lifetime potentially and my personal influence, right? Um, that to me seems like something that is worth giving my time and energy towards. So I that idea is one that I would love to hold dearly, right? Like that is a interpretation of the Jesus story that I feel like people can, many people can get on board with. Um, and at minimum would say, if you live that way, like you're probably going to live a, a pretty beautiful life. Um, at least you're going to experience a lot of love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's one thing. Um, I have other thoughts on atonement. Like, I think that, but maybe we shouldn't go there. What do you think? Do you want to, you want to keep going on love expands if you try to attack it? Or do you want to talk about atonement? What do you think? <laughs> um, I don't know how long we've been talking even. I think before we do, well, I want to talk about this other idea. Um, I want to talk about resurrection. Um, okay. I read more from the same guy. Um, who's, the, who's the author? Jay Perini. Sure yeah, Jay Perini. He's 
a, a professor and has written poetry and written for CNN. And, um, Interesting. I actually don't know that much about him, but I don't really care if he writes yeah. something that is meaningful for me now, I will read it regardless of background. Um, yeah. So he talks, he wrote an article and um, about the actual resurrection, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used this interesting play on words that I wanted to talk to you about. It says, a large number of Christians throughout history have imagined a resuscitation refusing to countenance the slightest hint that the resurrection should be regarded as something beyond human understanding. Mm -hmm. That um, we've gotten into this like uh, frenzy of debating that Jesus actually rose from the dead and was the same person. And literally, and that Thomas, you know, had to stick his hands in his side to, show but i think the interesting thing that he pointed out that i've never really thought so much about is that no one recognized the resurrected jesus yeah his closest friends the disciples disciples mary magdalene yeah um walking through walls walking through this isn't like look doesn't look like me (laughs) but they didn't even recognize him when he appeared to them yeah and that resurrection was transforming in that he wasn't the same Mm. after. Um, And I think for me, as I think about Easter, um, I think what can be hopeful about that is I, I feel like, like I said, this cycle of death and resurrection and um, the idea that, I'm not sure if I believe this, but I'm going to say it. The idea Mm -hmm. that anything could be resurrected. Um, Any person, um, any relationship, um, an idea, these things that maybe in you could seem dead can be resurrected is like a theme, I think. Um, yeah, but I haven't thought about how, but it might not look the same. Yeah. It might be really different and maybe that, maybe it needs to be, um, but that it's not necessarily a resuscitation of like bringing something back that was before, but being open to newness mm-hmm. and something you might not even recognize it's beautiful is um yeah it's really beautiful that like it doesn't need to be jesus's body the way it was before right but maybe he appeared to some people in the way that they needed to um but jesus himself seemed to enjoy that it was a mystery you know (laughs) He kind yeah. of, I don't know, it seems like he kind of got kicked out of it of being like yeah. appearing on the road to Playing Damascus. Pranks. Yeah, like walking, through, disappearing through the wall. And like, right. he, it kind of seems like he enjoyed the fact that it was a huge mystery. Yeah. Um, and transformative in all the ways that were unexpected. Yeah. 
I like that idea. I like thinking about that. I like the hope that comes with having to let go of what something needs to look like. I agree. I, I also feel like I understand why you said, like, I'm not sure I believe this, like the, the sensitivity or it feels vulnerable to say that that's possible because, mm -hmm. you know, because it feels like um, there are so many examples where like dead things die. <laughs> and so to also presume that resurrection is possible, transform a, a transformation of uh, it feels as um unlikely as a human raising from the dead in some in some instances <laughs> right like this is dead this is over and i need to like part of a positive human quality is to like accept when things are dead yeah and to like grieve them and move on and so to know when do i mm. hope for resurrection and when am i holding on too long is i think something that comes to my mind well here i remember what felina said when she was when i was talking about the trees outside of my window and she said even if the tree is actually dead mm. um that process feeds new life anyway yeah that the it's not the way you thought the the decomposition of a tree that doesn't come back to life in the spring the decomposition of a tree feeds the ground and the newness that is around it and i mm -hmm. think what i thought of when you were just talking is that like our I think one of the things about spring is to just notice what's new, notice yeah. the newness and be thankful for it, whether it came from something dying yeah, um, or whether something has been resurrected or transformed. Um, we're looking for what's new and there's hope in newness. Agreed. I, I love that. And I love that you brought up that point from, from Felina because it's, it is transformation, right? So a tree, I yeah. wanted the tree to kind of go through it to be in another cycle of, you know, the, the blossoms are here and the leaves are green and that tree is dead. Um, and it decomposes and it's now fertilizer for the next new thing that's coming. That is, a, that is, I mean, that's Jesus, right? That's transformation. Yeah. That's unrecognizable, right? Yeah. Um, like the tree doesn't look remotely like a tree. Now it looks like whatever, something else. Um, but it's a form of transformation. I think maybe a takeaway that I'm having is that maybe the goal isn't to, um, it's just to, to not place expectations on what new life looks like mm -hmm. to let it just to like observe what's new, as you mentioned, and to let go of the expectations I placed on it looking exactly like I wanted it to. Right. So Jesus yeah. coming back looks just like Jesus, maybe he's clean shaven or you just gotta, you know, his, his wounds are healed or whatever, like whatever version of it. Um, instead, it looks like something I didn't expect, but I'm I'm looking for new is a, a cool takeaway there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it might not be a resuscitation of exactly what existed before. Yeah, I feel like I mean the the big theme too that that was triggering for me is the idea of salvation, right? So when you're talking about a resurrection, like I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Like that, those are those are sentences said about salvation which feels like a resurrection at some point too because again like if i going back to my old roots like the point of like following this jesus way was to be saved or to be transformed into a different version of yourself not like peter with 
a better attitude, like happy <laughs> peak for the day. Like it's supposed to be a transformed version of myself. And what's fascinating is going through my deconstruction felt like salvation. It felt like I once was blind and now I see, but to have, to have that experience in life. Like, I, I feel like I've gone through that. I feel like I am a different version of myself than I was a decade ago. Um, like to have gone through a, a form of transformation. And so I think maybe for people listening, I, I would just be hopeful. Like I, I would assume most people have felt like they've gone through some transformations um, and maybe they were moderate, but for some of us, I don't know, would it, wouldn't most people think they've gone through some major ones, yeah. um, whether it's the ending of a relationship or the a new role of, I was a, like, all of my identity was wrapped up in my, my kids and then they moved out. And after like, what's my marriage now? Or what's my career now, right? I, I job shifted or whatever. Feels like a lot of us have gone through those things, and I feel like what you're speaking to is encouraging because maybe the next chapter isn't going to look exactly like just Peter 2.0. Maybe it's completely different, and to be open to that. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, being open to <laughs> being open to what transformation looks like. Yeah, but that I mean that is an attack on our expectations, right? <laughs> here's what I want my life to look like. And I think transformation is a big speed bump <laughs> off into our expectation. Yeah. You know? Hmm. I think, you know, <clears throat> we've been talking about rituals. Yeah. And Easter is full of rituals. The, the Christian celebration of Easter from Ash Wednesday and, um, you know, Ash on the foreheads mm -hmm. um, practice in the Catholic Church. But you have Ash Wednesday and Maundy Thursday and Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Um, a lot of people do the Saturday thing of like the in waiting, whatever. I don't mm -hmm. know if there's a name for it. I think kind of what we've been talking about this whole year is, and the Christian religion has done a good job of finding rituals that remind you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, I'm trying to figure out with each kind of new season and each holiday, what do I want my rituals to be? Are they the same ones that existed before? Often they are. And what do I want them to mean? And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I, maybe we can wrap up with this of just a discussion of like, we are in control of what we think about and what we want to think about. And I think um, rituals are things that help us be intentional mm -hmm. with the way that we're looking at the world, with the way we're teaching our families and our children. Um, and so I think this is a great opportunity to look at the rituals that we're doing um, surrounding Easter or the spring and bring intentionality to them. Yep. So I guess maybe I will throw to you and say, what are you going to be doing for Easter? And what's the intention yeah. that you have with them? Yeah, I, I love this as a wrapping point because I do think like we're, we're going to do some similar things. We're going to eat together as a family and celebrate. We're going to host people, I'm sure. And we're going to do our egg coloring and Easter egg hunt. Um, and I, I think the, the thought that keeps um bubbling up to the top for me is just the idea of I, I don't like have any memory of like any point of easter 
eggs, right? I, I don't feel like a lot of the point of um, even the Jesus narrative was ever meant symbolically. It was always a very literal thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I was always, I was taught the literal version of it. Um, and so I think I'm trying to emphasize what's undeniable about um, this Easter story. And so I'm gonna try to emphasize love and talk about how it's a story about um, how love expands. I would like to, um, my kids to hear the idea of like the egg and the bunny and all that stuff about being like focused on new life and even looking around at our, like as we're looking for eggs, like notice that like there's green everywhere. There's There's been a lot of yellow for the last, <laughs> it's hilarious, I'm so living over here. Everything's brown and it's so dry. And so um, like as it gets greener to like point out, like help them notice those things. Um, as more of a symbolic of like looking for those things in life, mm-hmm. um, right? So to help them see symbol, like my daughter Tess is old enough to understand. She she was walking me through the Greek gods the other day, and and she's like, "Do you know anything?" Because she's reading these other books that have these references, and I could name like three of them. And I was telling her, I'm like, we didn't, grow, I didn't grow up learning about them. Like I I I was told they weren't they weren't real, so I don't even know the literature behind it. So she was like explaining them, and we were like googling them because she remembered like ten of the main twelve ones or whatever. And I was like walking her through, like, you understand metaphor versus literal. And she's like, yeah. And so she's old enough at 11 to be like, to, to see the symbolism of an egg at this mm-hmm. point. Right. Um, and that took me like 27 years. <laughs> she's, got yeah. 11, she's more aware of it at 11. So I think the rituals are the same and that we're going to do the egg hunt and we're going to do the egg coloring and we're going to be around people we love. But I think we're going to try to emphasize the new life and the noticing um hope and noticing new how about for you yeah i think um yeah i think the same we'll be noticing the newness um and i also think there's an element too of always always trying to put this in my kids but of just being grateful um being grateful that we have this life and we have this place to live and it's so beautiful. And um, I just saw a bald eagle fly by my window while we're having right. a conversation. Uh, yeah. Just being more open to noticing this gift of life that's all around. And mm-hmm. spring is an incredible time to be able to do that. It's not that hard. Right. It's not that hard in springtime to notice the gift of new life. It might be yeah. in, you know, January. Well, my birthday is in January, so yay. Um, that's how cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I just really want to emphasize to my kids and my family, like how much gratitude I have for this life. And um, Easter can also be a reminder of our mortality too. That's what Ash Wednesday mm-hmm is about mm-hmm. and so that's in the back of my mind too um so, well that this isn't forever it's not forever right like enjoy yeah. this be yeah. here because there's nothing's guaranteed my gosh mm. i know we need to wrap up but just last night i was putting my daughter to bed and i was laying in bed with her and she's five and a half and just <laughs> this is the way things go with her i don't know where she she reaches over and hugs me and she goes i don't want you to die mom <laughs> mm. And 
of course I was like, Oh shoot, does she know something? I don't know. Um, but then I was like, I feel healthy. I feel great. Um, but I just had this brief conversation with her and I was like, Oh my gosh, I always want to be with you too. And I hope I get Mm -hmm. to live to be 100. But you know, you bring up an interesting thing is that no one lives forever. Yeah. But I'm always a part of you. And then we got into a discussion about DNA. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, dad and I are a part of you forever. It's why yeah. you and I have the same eyes. And, you know, she laughed and gave me a hug. Um, but there is an element of that, of like nothing lasts forever, except maybe it does. Mm-hmm. Maybe it does as we yeah. pass, as it becomes something new. As my right. DNA became part of my daughter, um, so maybe I will never die. Yeah, I don't know. There's an Easter message for you. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I love that note to wrap with. Um, just to to be grateful and to be present and to look for all the things that we have to be grateful for and to notice them intentionally. Um, like an Easter egg to go look for things to be thankful for. Like that's a a, um, a really good takeaway because nothing's guaranteed and you can find things to be down about, but you could probably find, I bet everybody listening can find something that they're thankful for today. Um, thankful for in their life. Hope so. And I think that's a, a habit or a ritual that should be included in all of the holidays, all of the things that we're celebrating. Yeah, there's. I'm thankful for the opportunities that remind me that life is a gift. Yeah, like we talk about all the time, life is a gift, and love is the point. There's, there's no better holiday to express that than Easter, the story yeah. of Easter, the legend of Easter, the history of Easter. It all, myth or history, it all points to the same thing. Life is so precious, and love is, love is the point. I love it. <laughs> I'll let that be the closing note because I think that's a fantastic way to end. Hmm. Well, thanks. Thanks for the discussion. Happy Easter. It's a great discussion. Day. Happy Easter to everybody. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.